As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, the presenting sponsor for today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is Visa, a network working for everyone. I'm Paul Daner Jr. here with Jay Morrison of The Athletic. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. Ready for a quick turnaround and another big game for the Bengals. It is another big game for the Bengals. Thursday night football, ring of honor, mm-hmm. their only primetime game of the year unless they get some late flexing. Uh, so there's a lot. It's a double... Double whammy show for you today. We're still going to do kind of our regular Tuesday show, but we are full on in preview of the Jags, which is Thursday night at Polo Brown Stadium, eight twenty. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to sell out or not. I think it, I have they, that's not been announced. I'm sure they'll have a lot of. Uh, if they were close, I'm saying Sunday might have helped them uh, get even closer. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they've got. We got some news we want to run through. There's a number of different things we want to talk a little bit about Tyler Boyd uh, and what he had to say. Um, about the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're going to talk a little bit about what l- things look like next for the offense, for on the schedule. Jay's got some stats, and I'm I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Jay, Jay, you okay. got coin toss stats, and I, really, I could not be more excited about this. They are not fifty fifty. I I am I'm totally on board with more <laughs> coin toss stats. And if you can find anything more, if anyone can find stats more irrelevant uh, or obscure, I should say, than coin toss stats, um, I dare you to. I am just on board. I, the more obscure, the better. So I cannot wait to find out uh, the details on all those. Uh, we are going to have Mo Egger come in here and talk about his tweets, including one that takes a shot at local government, which I really enjoy. Uh, and we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. And then we are going to get into the Jags here at the end of this episode we're going to talk about what they look like who they have been thus far um some growler bet some run passer boots i will recap the growler bet from last week and last week's run passer boots and we will have our predictions of thursday night against the jags so a lot to get to slam packed let's dive in jay uh on the news front injuries you end up with a few different injuries 
that pot. I mean, the, the main one that people knew about was Cheeto Bay Uzi is got his groin injury. We're kind of TBD on what that's actually going to look like um, in terms of uh, will, how long he'll be out. I would not expect him to play Thursday, but Zach Taylor was kind of just not really committal. They wanted to kind of see more of what he looks like coming in on Tuesday. But, you know, to turn around with a groin injury and play four days later, I mean, we just watched a bunch of Steelers that weren't doing it a week later. Um, it's just a matter of how many weeks would he be back against Green Bay? Would How, how serious is it? We will see on that. Um, T. Higgins, uh, Zach Taylor sounded a little bit hesitant on, where I think before the game against the Steelers was kind of pushing that optimism towards Thursday. Um, but it the, the term – the term it's a long season was brought up and that's never a good sign. Uh, so I would say it potentially T Higgins trending away from playing on Thursday night and making sure they have him ready to go against green Bay. Um, Xavier Suofilo is still banged up. Jackson Carmen will start this week. Uh, so they are turning it over to him. Like one more game after he had a solid performance against the Steelers and it might not ever change he could this could be i i had one other thing i wanted to mention and that is people always say oh it was gonna be wally pipped is he gonna get wally pipped <laughs> we have to really be more current on this wally pip was over a hundred years ago okay lou gehrig took over his spot because of injury and everyone calls it wally pipped we've got we got is it is it drew bledsoe now yeah that's a better that's a i mean def, can we get, get a little more current at least the guy who replaced him still playing <laughs> Even if he's in his late mid forties, I mean, can we? I, I think we need to move on from Wally Pitt. But this this could be a Drew Bledsoe situation in a very not as important uh, in the grand scheme of football way, but the same concept. It, 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 and it absolutely can because you feel they they were. It, it was kind of weird. They were really encouraged at first glance in the post game press conference with how Jackson played. It was Pro Football Focus had him as the the lowest graded. Bengals offensive player down in the 30s um so I, I wonder you know what they saw on film but if if, if Suofilo can't go then obviously and he, and he can't Zach already said Carmen's going to start but if he can come out and, and play well it's it it, it just feels like he's going to take the job over now, Zach wouldn't commit to that but it's not as though Suofilo has been dominant himself and it it just feels like it's a huge spot for him because it's it's not just a chance to win the job it's a chance to play in prime time for everybody to see it's a chance to play in prime time in his hometown he his first start comes on the road and he had a couple family members there i imagine he's going to have a lot more people there um thursday night and he talked about how special that is and how meaningful it is for him so it is a really big opportunity for him yeah i mean he plays decently on thursday it's over He's the guy yeah. that's what they wanted it to be from the beginning, and he obviously had the slow start where Frank Pollock had to kind of develop a relationship with him, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> start coaching him. And yes. uh, I coached him hard, and he seemed appreciative of it, kind of looking back on where he came from uh, a couple months ago uh, and and maybe in a better place and certainly looked to be in a better place. And there were a number of runs on Sunday where you saw him moving people. You mentioned the PFF grade. I, I don't know. I look at no pressures. Except for the mm-hmm. – I mean, the one pressure obviously is on is on him, the, the free runner early, but – they got that fixed, and after that, you know, you, if you got that happening out there, then uh, I, I can deal with whatever, grade him whatever you want to grade him. Uh, if Burrow has protection like that, um, 
don't change anything. So that that's part of that. Uh, his other injury, Jesse Bates popped up uh, with a neck. We saw him take a real awkward hit at the uh, towards the end of that game and kind of laid there for half a second. And so he's got it listed as a neck. We'll know more on Tuesday. They they had to put out a thing of whether he would have practiced, and they didn't even practice. It's just a formality the NFL demands on these Thursday games. So my guess is there's a chance. Uh, we just don't know. We don't we don't know what that means. With him being in there with a neck, uh, so we'll we'll see as the as the week progresses as we get through today and closer to Thursday. These, these short weeks are just tough on guys to be fully recovered and come back to play um, uh, on, on the short week. So, and Trey Wayne's, I think we might see him. The, the 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 tone was very optimistic from Zach Taylor, not just on Friday but also on Monday. Um, and and now with your cornerback room banged up, it seems even more logical. Uh, that you would see Trey Waynes make his Bengals debut uh, after signing in March of 2020. He was damn near pre-pandemic, Jay. Yeah, 18 <laughs> months ago. <laughs> uh, but so we, we may see Trey Waynes. Um, the Bengals open as seven and a half point favorites against Jacksonville. How about that? Yeah, it's been a while since I've been a favorite of, of that big um, – Looked it up on our drive back from Pittsburgh. I believe it was 2017, the last time they were favored by that many points. Wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, we'll get much more into Jacksonville later on in the show. Let's um, start here. Tyler Boyd made um, waves, news, mm-hmm. all of it a, a little bit. Um, and he did it because he was talking about what he saw in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to bring this in. You can hear him say it himself. Here is Tyler Boyd talking about what he saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of Sunday's game. You know, Tyler, you guys were talking about how this game was different. The Steeler game was different. You wanted to, you know, show them something. When when you walked off the field, and I'm sure you shook hands with some of those guys, do you think the message was sent? Do you think they were looking at you guys in a different way than maybe they – have in the past? I think the good thing about that win was not only did the Steelers feel that everybody in the country felt it because the last plays of the game for them, they gave up. You could see it. They had three drops in a row. And that's for a team to see that is giving us more power, giving us the the the, the antidote to know how good we are, you know. So for a team to just lay down like that when the, before the game was over, because no matter what, no matter how much we're losing by or whatever the case may be, I know me and I know us, we're not giving up. We're going to continue to try to make plays and make something happen. But they portrayed it to, to the whole uh, nation on TV with what with, with they were about and how they gave up. So, I mean, we just got to take advantage. Uh, not holding back. No. <laughs> and, and not wrong. I mean, anybody that watched that knew what they were watching. Ten drops? And all those at the end, I mean, absolutely. And we've watched a lot of – we've done a lot of judging if a team's quitting. Boyd is not lying. They don't quit. Yeah. Um, they, they've been in some real meaningless spots, and we've never seen anything like what, what we did see out of Pittsburgh. I'll ask – I'll say, do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? That he said it? That he said it. Um. I don't know. I'm somewhere between like and hate. I, I I don't see what purpose it serves. You 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 still have to play him again this year, <clears throat> and presumably T.J. Watt and Highsmith 
and Stefan Tuit. Those guys are all going to be back. And the last thing you want to do is poke that bear and give them extra bullets and board material. But that's 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 just who Tyler is. He's never filtered himself. And I don't think he said it. I don't think he went into that saying, hey, I'm going to take a shot at these guys. If I remember right, the question was something about what what did he feel the the magnitude of that game was and he was saying it was big because we saw the Steelers quit we did that to them um so I you do like the as reporters obviously we love a guy that's going to speak his mind and say that kind of stuff but I I don't know the purpose it serves and uh he I'm sure he, he came out of and had a a clarifying tweet this morning um I, I'm sure he probably got a little mentioned from Zach or someone else on that coaching staff about maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. I don't, I like it. Do you? I mean, look, say it, come out there and say it, take it to, I always, there's a line that I always, that I've used and it's usually, it has almost always gone the other way over the last half a decade to the winner go the narratives. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's when, when the Steelers beat the Bengals, all you hear is about, you know, all the stuff that you always hear, right? And and about whatever situation, whether you go back to the playoff game or, or however it is. But, you know, it's like after the playoff game, you hear about Pac-Man and Burfick and not about Mike Munchak pulling Reggie Nelson's hair. It's like it's it's that. It's it's to the winner go the narratives. And here, here it is. It's the other way. You know, you, you win, you can say what you you can say things like that. You can you can pop off like that. And they've won two in a row and they've beat them up doing it both times. They've been the more physical, intimidating team two times in a row. And they came off a time where this guy who grew up in Pittsburgh, knowing Pittsburgh, knowing Pittsburgh football, was listening to the fans just booing them relentlessly and the team just not caring at the end. Tyler Boyd ain't going to hold back. He, yeah. he, there's just no topic that he's going to hold back on like that, and especially not one that he feels like he knows as well as anybody. And he does. I don't. I don't mind it. You know what? Be that. Own it. Talk it. You know that's part of it. I. I, I don't mind that attitude of uh, uh, of confidence that that you have, and you know, stick in their face. Sure. Why not? What pops in my mind is what if we were back in the olden days and we were allowed in the locker room? I mean, this was after damn near 24 hours thinking on it before he said it. If we had got him right after that game, who knows (laughs) how much more he would have had to say about that. I mean, he had, he had more than a cooling off period and he, he still dropped that. And there were, there were a few other things in there. He, he talked about, um, one in particular, the, a big topic of conversation was Mike Hilton made a speech to the team, uh, before the game. And, um, Jamar Chase didn't want to go into what he said, but Tyler Boyd did. And he was talking about how disrespected Mike Hilton felt um, and that the organization didn't value him and refused to pay him. And the, the whole time he's saying this, it's going through your mind is like, is, is he like, is this a subtweet for the Jesse Bates situation as well? That he was just talking about how ridiculous it was that the Steelers didn't, didn't resign their top turnover guy. And, um, he said he, he felt everything that Mike Hilton was saying. And I, I just wondered if there was a little, a little meaning behind that, as opposed to just answering the question on what Mike Hilton's speech was about. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 
you know, it means something to you when you get when you hear that. And, and look, so much of this, it's the Michael Jordan, right? Not not football, Michael Jordan, basketball, Michael Jordan. Of and I took that personal. It's creating ways to motivate. It's yeah. creating moments. And on a team of fifty plus guys, everybody can have something. You know, from week to week, that can that can be a galvanizing force. And for this week, it was Mike Hilton. And maybe on Thursday, it'll be. You know, Burrow versus Lawrence will get people going in that. And the fact that or Burrow saying, yeah, this guy, Urban Meyer, wouldn't play me. OK, <laughs> let's go. Right. Like you you can absolutely you, you from week to week, you find what that is. And, and, and there's always there's always something. There's always something you can invent. I mean, Jordan did it for a decade and a half of, <laughs> of inventing whatever he needed it to be and say, you know. And I took that person. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I want to kind of move into the direction of what happens next. I'm, I've been sort of poking around for a story this week about the, I think we could be a, it feels like we're about to see an opening up of the playbook and an opening up of the offense. And there's a number of different pieces to that, but a big part of it is also an opening up of the schedule. And there are five zero and three teams right now. And the Bengals play three of them in their next five games. You know, you've got the Jags and the Lions and the Jets are all in your next five games. You are two and one. You have built the momentum you wanted. It's all in front of you. It's all right in front of you to have that beginning of the season that you wanted. Things have broken your way. The Steelers, you caught them at the right time and they're not very good. You know, you you got the luck, you bounces you needed against Minnesota to finish them off in the opener. Now you're sitting at two and one, and you've got these zero and three teams. The Jets look awful. The Jags have lost every game by double digits. You know, the the Ravens are still battling all kinds of injury when you see them. The, the schedule has fallen your way a little bit to really take advantage of that momentum. Can they do it? Will they do it? I don't know. We'll start to learn, but it does open up and not just open up. I mean, the first three teams, we talked about this. We're all kind of constituted very similarly. They all theoretically had really good defenses um, or you thought they would. And and at least were really challenging, particularly up front in their own ways um, and had had a lot of pressures and, and have still. That changes now. Here is the 
and this is was through the first two games, and they haven't updated the Football Outsiders defensive metrics yet. But DVOA is how they how you've played against the rest of the league, and, and and all that stuff takes that your ranking in there. And then they have another rating called Dave that also brings their preseason projections in a little bit, just to, when it's early in the year to kind of give a little bit more of a more accurate view of who, what they might be. The first three, the Vikings and the Bears and the Steelers, were all ranked their DAVE, their Dave, in the top half of the league. And everyone, except for the Ravens, is ranked in the bottom half of the league, including a bunch in the bottom six. Defensively. No pass rush. Defenses that aren't going to be as good. It's a real chance for Zach Taylor to be more comfortable Dropping back, throwing it down the field a little bit more, calling some stuff that requires a little bit more time, things that fans have been begging for. I, I think you will see more of that now as, one, you saw what they did against the Steelers. There's maybe a little bit more confidence in your protection. And, two, there's a little less faith that the other side is going to be able to really take advantage. That means a little less of the running game and the short passing game and a little bit more of the downfield shots that you've seen so explosive. And I think that's uh, an exciting thing when you start thinking about what this offense could maybe really start to blossom into what you thought it could be. Yeah, it, it's not just the opposing defenses that they're about to play that can help them open the playbook. It's their own defense. I mean, the confidence that is growing in Lou Anarumo's defense can – let you not just open the playbook, but but take more risk. And, and Zach's always been a, a guy willing to be aggressive and gamble a little bit. And he even joked about his fourth and one at the 30 decision in Minnesota on Sunday in the postgame press conference at Pittsburgh. I mean, if your defense is going to keep playing like this and you're playing other defenses that are at the bottom of the league, it does. It really opens things up for this this team to – to start taking more shots because they're hitting them and you've got the running game going that sets it up. It's just, everything is, is falling into place. And, you know, you talked about three of the next five are winless. I mean, think about it. Green Bay needs to pull out a miracle field goal at the end. Otherwise they're one and two Baltimore needs a Justin Tucker, 66 yard miracle field goal at the end. Otherwise they're one and two this schedule. And I'm not saying Green Bay and Baltimore are bad. They've played good teams, but this, yes, the schedule has really opened up, and and for that reason, the offense can really open up as well. There have I went and went through and looked this up because we talked after the game about the efficiency that the Bengals' offense showed, and Mixon running for five yards a carry, and Burrow throwing for nine point six yards per attempt. When you bring in Burrow's runs and a Samaj P. Ryan one for negative one or whatever it was, two for negative one, they ended up at four yards per carry. I was like, okay, 9.5 yards per attempt, four yards per carry. How often does that happen? Well, the last five years, there have been 87 instances of a team pulling that off. What do you think the record is? How many wins do you think those teams have in those 87 games, Jay? I'll say... I'll say 80 and seven and the seven losses were against teams that also did it. <laughs> you know what? I didn't look at how many teams both did it. I should have done that. It was 72 and 15. Maybe there's okay. a bunch that both did it. I mean, there's only been three this year. Okay. Hmm. 
And so the Bengals have now done it two of their last five games. You go back to the Houston game at the end of last season, and then they did it again on Sunday. You know, this that's the idea. That's the plan. And when you do that, when you're able to do that, to be efficient uh, in both, you don't lose. Those teams don't lose. No matter what else the circumstances are, 72 and 15, okay? I mean, that is what they've been able to do now a couple of times is absolutely how this needs, what this can be and how this can go. And the fact that they've been able to get mixing going in a couple of games now. And I also, you know, we made a big deal of the light box last week and how they had really struggled that way. And Pittsburgh was not interested in a light box. (laughs) They, They were, they were heavy much of the day. There were two snaps where they were out there and the Bengals ran against a light Pittsburgh box. That was it. One of them was the 27-yarder. They made him pay. They punished him, just like we talked about last week. His longest run of the year came when Pittsburgh dared to not put an extra body in the box, and Mixon made him pay. That's exactly what you're talking about, and that's how you end up having the efficient passing game, too. That, and it helps to have Jamar Chase blown by people down the field. But... You know, you don't need to throw it a bunch. I mean, 14 of 18, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it was small sample size on snaps because of how often Pittsburgh had the ball, but that's all that matters. The, the volume stats of last year are fine. They don't win games. What wins games is the efficiency stats, and that's what we're seeing the Bengals do. And now if they are able to open it up a little bit more against some defenses – that aren't as potent because they're more comfortable in the line. They're not as nervous about the pass rush. They still feel like they can get mixing going, and teams are seeing that, and they're still nervous about that. You have Jamar Chase. Now now how are defenses going to react differently? How much more are they going to sit the two safeties back or or, or drop the three, you know, cover three? How much more are they going to be aware of, of over the top of wherever Chase is? How much more space does that create for Tyler Boyd? How much more space does that create for Joe Mixon? There is a ripple effect of what is now on tape of Jamar Chase. Teams do not want that. They uh, This whole league has now become a bunch of defensive coordinators focused, whether it's these umbrella coverages, the Vic Fangio stuff, of none of that, right? Just keep everything in front of you. How much are they going to do that? And if the Bengals continue to show that they can take advantage of everything else, the playbook opens up big time for Zach Taylor. It's the exact reason they were locked on locked in on him instead of Panay Sewell or any offensive lineman in the first. This is exactly what they thought that Jamar Chase could bring to this offense. And, you know, you, you forget that T. Higgins didn't play in that Pittsburgh game, and they were still able to go over the top. I mean, when he comes back, with, I don't know if it's going to be Thursday, doesn't look look great for that chance but he's come I don't think he's going to be out for a long time you bring him back and put another weapon in that offense and he too he can go get deep balls and <clears throat> a little better size a little taller than than Jamari they can go either way if you got two guys that can take the top off the defense it does it's just there, there's a lot to be encouraged about about where this offense can go they, they they've won two of the three games they've played they haven't really looked explosive yet, 
but but as you said, the efficiency thing is the bigger thing at this point, and that you keep that going, and then the the super explosiveness can come out. And yes, they've hit explosive plays, but I mean, as far as getting up in the 30s and getting up in the 400 yards per game, that those those type of explosions where it's just all game long you're hitting it, I think that's still to come. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the two of the you know Zach Taylor said after the game, two the the two deep balls to chase. Um, came on the same that before halftime came on the same play. I mean, the one against Minnesota and the one against Pittsburgh was the same play. It was a, a nine eight nine concept. If you're familiar, it's just two goes and kind of a post, and you know to try to draw the safety in or whatever. And and you when you do that when you're in those formations where you got four or five wides that they've used often, we've criticized MP for a lot of reasons. But when you can't protect it. You know, you're sitting back, they're worried about Chase, and there's all these other receivers out there, and one of them is Tyler Boyd. And what do you get? You can get things like you got on his touchdown, working on Devin Bush all day underneath. I mean, that that snag route he hit him on, I mean, it's over. And so that type of stuff, I really think that what you're about to see over the next few weeks will be the opening up of the playbook. For everyone that screamed and yelled about not throwing downfield enough, and that includes Jamar Chase, uh, it, I think is going to get their see wetting their appetite here over the next few weeks because I, I think things change. And Jackson Carmen coming in, if he can be that solidifying force, plays a big role in that. Um, I'm just really interested to see how different these games are called over the next few weeks compared to the previous three. Because here's the other factor that we mentioned on Sunday, and I'll throw it in. And now Joe Burrow's feeling mobile in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, as Joe Mixon said, he's got his swag back. That's my quarterback, right? When he when he did the when he when he called his own audible and did the Joe Mixon drop. He's and now Burrow feels comfortable doing that more often. He didn't know if he'd even be able to feel that way all year. You throw that in, right? You, you, so now, if you're Zach Taylor, okay, I. I'm comfortable. I, I love what Chase has given to me over the top. I'm not as worried about Burrow and not being mobile back there in case something does break down. I'm not as worried as the defense coming after him. I'm not as worried about the offensive line after what happened in Pittsburgh. Okay. We don't need to throw a million dink and dunks anymore. And we, not that you won't still do that, but you can open it up a lot more. I, I, it sets up to be absolutely that over the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm really interested to see as much as they like empty, that that quarterback draw is a great play against that. And and if we were going to start seeing, I mean, because Zach said he didn't call that. That was Joe calling that. Um, I, I wonder if that will be a part of it. And I also wonder, was that one of the two plays that was against a light box? Or was it? were you saying there was two mix and rushes against a light box? Two mix and rushes against okay. a light box. Because yeah, that was that a light count. box too. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, what I was just I was just tracking Mixon's light box runs. Yeah. yeah. No, that would absolutely have 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 been one. Uh Burrow Burrow had twenty-two rushes for a first down last year. Now, some of those are sneaks, but a lot of them were mm -hmm. runs. One of them was this the, his first career touchdown. That was an element of his game. And now that wasn't up there in the fifties with Lamar Jackson, who led the league at fifty-six, but it was in the top ten. That's a weapon of his game. That's a part of his game uh, that he really wants to use. And, and you know, if, if you got to feel like having that back, there's a chance he could end up in that top ten again this year, and that just opens up things even more. I just, it's, it's. There's just a lot kind of happening offensively that has 
quietly under the radar actually gone well um, as the as you try to plot what things can look like going forward. Jay, I, I, I want to get into your stats here real quick. <laughs> You've got coin toss stats. I do. And I need, and I need them. It's it struck me when they won the toss in Pittsburgh. It's like, well, wow, they won the three and zero this year. They won every toss. So I went and I went back and looked and saw how often that they've won the coin toss because it it, it it's minutia in some regard. But every team likes to do it. Zach loves to do it. Loves to uh, talk about it. The idea of the double dip and they pulled it off. Get the touchdown to Chase right at the end of the half, come back and score a, a field goal to start the second half. You get those back-to-back possessions. So there is some relevance to winning the coin toss. There's no st- strategy, I don't think, to it. I mean, that's I would love to, if if we were back in the days where you could pull a coach aside and ask about this, because it's not something I'm going to bring up in a press conference, but I wonder, you know, is he calling heads or tails from the sideline? Is he leaving it up to the players? How do they do that? <laughs> So there's yes. got to be some rhyme or reason to it. We need this. I need more coin toss <laughs> questions, Jay. <laughs> but it is. It go, you go back to last year. They've won. They, they, this doesn't include overtime coin tosses. They've they've won six straight <laughs> coin tosses to, at the start of a game. I don't know what I. I guess I could figure those odds out, but I, I didn't do it. But that. Go ahead, flip a coin six times. See how many times you can get it right six times in a row. It's it's pretty crazy, and it's not just that. It's it it's six straight nine of eleven, and then the re- <laughs> the the reason that the the whole who picks what they call heads or tails that type of thing is it always tails never fails that they go by feel in games when the, Beng- <laughs> when the Bengals are on the road and they're the ones actually calling it in the air or not they don't call it in the air anymore but calling it. They've won three in a row and seven of eight. So it is, it's pretty remarkable that, that they've oh. been able that it, that's what I have in my story today, that if they can start winning games at the same rate, they win coin tosses, they're Super Bowl contenders. There's, there's no doubt. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, Zach Taylor, four and two in the last six, uh, two and zero oh against Pittsburgh. And if they can win Thursday night, he would be two. he would be, have two straight primetime wins. Wow. So. Let's not forget, though, Marvin started three and one in primetime, and we know How what direction it went after that. I, you know, this is, we've said this since the beginning, but I think it's worth reiterating as they start to win a few games here. And that is when you drafted Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, was it Mixon who talked about him in the big moments? He's like, he has this thing where the bigger the moment gets, the more dialed in he gets, the, the, the more he, you just feel him taking things over. Joe Burrow teams are not going to struggle in primetime mm-hmm. because the lights are brightest, the stage is biggest. He lives for that. He showed that at LSU. Uh, and he has showed that you know thus far really in his career and some of the biggest moments he, he has been at his best. Um, you know, the, the last play against Minnesota is a perfect example of it. He loves that. He lives for it. So I really think that Burrow is really – and if Marvin Lewis would have had Joe Burrow, I mean, who – I I know <laughs> Bengals fans are cringing right now at the idea of – but, I mean, it, I think that maybe his primetime record would look differently. But Well, he did I, have Carson I, to start, and maybe that's why he was 3-1 and one to start. Yeah, maybe that's why. He was, some, sometimes it's about who you got. Yeah. Um, you also have some Logan Wilson stats that I want to talk about before we get to Mo because I we we talk we're going to talk about the defense with Mo a little bit. What do you got on Logan Wilson? Yeah, so two interceptions against Pittsburgh gives him three 
for the year. Uh, he leads the NFL in interceptions, and that's rare for a linebacker. But I was curious, you know, how many times a linebacker has done that, how, had three interceptions in his team's first three games. And Logan Wilson's only the second linebacker in the Super Bowl era to do it. The Titans' Keith Bullock did it in 2007. That's it. Those are the only linebackers to have three picks in the first three games. And if you if you think about it, he he had ten interceptions in college as a linebacker. Um, he's got five already in the NFL, and he only played twelve games last year. So that's five interceptions in fifteen games for a linebacker. Um, so I went back to see if anybody had topped that. And since the nineteen seventy merger, uh, the Falcons' Al Richardson had seven in nineteen eighty, and the Bills' Ken Lee had six. Um, from 71 to 72. He only played one game in 71. So that's it. Those are the only guys that have had more interceptions than Logan Wilson. Only linebackers have had more interceptions than Logan Wilson in their first 15 games. Um, interestingly enough, there was another linebacker that has that had five interceptions, matched Logan Wilson's total through 15 games, and it was a former Bengal in Odell Thurman. How about that? And people remember how much he changed the dynamic of that mm-hmm. defense, you know, when before everything fell apart for him. Uh, you know, it's just, people thought he was going to win defensive rookie of the year at one point. Um, I think people still debate that, actually, uh, fairly heavily from what <laughs> happened that year. Um, really interesting stuff. Let's let's bring in Mo, and we're going to ask him about a tweet that has to do with defense, and then uh, we'll we'll see where things unhinge from there. And we'll be back after we'll be back after we talk to Mo too to uh, talk a little bit about predictions and do our run passer boots and our growler bets and all that stuff. So here is uh here here's Mo Eger. All right, now it's time for our favorite regular Tuesday segment. We catch up with ESPN fifteen thirties Mo Eger to talk about his tweets. Get two we got we got two tweets for you. You you weren't as active during the Steelers game as I thought you might be. I was watching the game with friends, and so that does tend to sort of cut into the tweet time, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah. How how many drafts did you have uh, over the course of Sunday? Now, not like beer, not like drink, like yeah. drafts of tweets. Tweets that I almost sent. There were a yeah. couple about Ben that I looked at and said, maybe, maybe not. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps not this one. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, there there were a few. There were a few. I I was I was tame. I think I was tame on Sunday. Yeah, you know, you try to take the high road. I do. Well, and and now I'm like self conscious. Like I'm I'm like, well, if I send this, is this going to come up with Paul and Jay? So now you guys are in my head. <laughs> I like it. That's the idea. That's because that means you really wanted to say it if it comes out, and I exactly. and I appreciate that. You know, we're trying to put everybody in in a good place. I, okay, so I've got we've got two. First one. Is Bengals related? We'll start here. Your first one is a tweet from four oh five. Right after Sunday. the game. That's, yeah. that's sometimes not the best time. A. I hope Ben Roethlisberger announces after the game that he's returning in twenty twenty two. B. Yeah. The Bengals have played as well defensively these three games as anyone ever could have hoped. Uh, I would say there's a very Small chance that A is ever going to happen after what we've seen the last few weeks. I mean, it's over. 
it, it is over. And so that sort of continues a little theme because when he announced he was coming back in 2021, we threw a little party, like a welcome back Ben party. We were so excited. And, <laughs> and because it, it, and maybe this isn't steeped in reality, but it feels like every year there's, there's dimension of drama with Ben Roethlisberger. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? And I'm sure in Pittsburgh for a while, you know, they were like, oh man, if he doesn't come back, what's going to happen? And now it's after watching him at the end of last year, watching him against the Bengals on Monday Night Football, watching him in the playoffs against the Browns. Now you're like, God, I hope the Steelers have that dude playing quarterback until he's like 62. That, that would be fantastic. And so uh, it's just a little way of sort of taunting Steelers fans a little bit. But I mean, you know, legitimately that that team is sort of in quarterback purgatory right now. You're stuck with Ben Roethlisberger, I guess, this year. There's no clear succession plan. They're probably not going to be awful enough to draft in the top five. The quarterback class of 2022 is not regarded as especially good or deep. Uh, I have this nightmare. Tony Pike and I talked about this of Desmond Ritter of UC playing for the Steelers, which would just be awful. Um, But I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this immensely. And I, I said on the radio yesterday that for the first half of my life, the Pittsburgh Steelers were sort of in quarterback no man's land. They were Cordell Stewart and Mark Malone and uh, uh, Neil O'Donnell. And then, you know, they've they've been sort of spoiled the last 16, 17 years, or I guess maybe the first 14, 15 years of that with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And and now they're on the verge of sort of being stuck at quarterback. And they've got this old, fat, flabby guy who's throwing dump offs on fourth (laughs) and 10 with the game on the line. And I love it. And I want as much of it as I can possibly get. All right, let's just take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I want to know what what Mo the fan is like watching a game with friends. I can't do it. I I mean I love my friends, but a lot of times they want to talk about anything but the game. And if it's a if it's yeah. a game I really want to see, so do you have fans that are really knowledge or friends that are really knowledgeable about football? Are there a lot of conversations, or it is is it kind of a hey everybody just shut up and watch the game type of thing? <laughs> um, you know it's sort of anybody can watch it, but. You just like I'm going to the game Thursday with my sister doesn't know a lot about football, but um, she enjoys just the show of the game, but also uh, me gesticulating through the three hours. <laughs> um, it's not I'm like, I, it's it's not unbearable. It's not like, oh, Mo is making this unpleasant, but. If uh, you're going to sit down at one o'clock and, and you know, we're, we're going to talk about your vacation plans or how you're going pumpkin picking next week, that, that's <laughs> there's we're not doing that. That's yeah. that's for before the game. It's for it's for the other uh, 21 hours on a Sunday or the other six days of, of the week. I, I, I'm not one of these like locked in and I can't talk to anybody and enjoy myself. And I'm not like breaking down coverages in real time. But I, I do like to watch the game with people that have a a similar um, emotional investment as, as I do. And so I, I tend to, and, and not that any, you know, if I go watch a game somewhere, not that anybody's not welcome, uh, but I, but I do tend to try to surround myself with people who at least care as much about the outcome of the game as I do, even if they're, but most are more knowledgeable and God knows it's not hard to be more knowledgeable than me. And some, 
are just there to watch the game on a Sunday and they hope the Bengals win, but they, they couldn't tell you who the, the main particulars are, but it, it can be, it can be an adventure, especially and it's, it's, it's when they're bad, I get accused of caring almost a little bit too much. And, and then when they're good, I get accused of being sometimes a little obnoxious, but it's, it could be, it could be an experience. And I, I went to the game in Chicago and I told you guys, I, I left early and that there was a part of my soul that died that day, but I understood <laughs> logically what we were doing. We had to get home. Uh, the game was awful. And then they, they came back and made it 20 to 17. And I'm like, great, this is what I get. This is what I get for actually leaving a game early. So, uh, but it's it's not I've 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 not had anybody who's watched a, a Bengals game with me say, God, I'll never do that again. I've had people who have watched games with me that have said, I wish I would have recorded that experience or <laughs> there were some there was some language that I didn't think you would use, which I mean, come on. Uh, but it's it could be I guess it's it's a fun experience. It, it's it's more fun like when they've won big games and granted, there haven't been many of those when they've won big games. uh there, I've said to people, like, I'm not really going to be responsible for my behavior for the next 20 or so minutes. <laughs> I mean, and it's, I sort of wrote about this a little bit after the game. There's nothing that moves the needle like beating Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh yeah. with in the journey to win a fan base back. You, you guys did, you guys were out for a live, was that, you guys do a live event at the we Hard a live Rock? live event at the, at the Hard Rock Casino, yeah. What was that like? I'm curious if it felt like a big moment or if it felt like people just kind of more pointing and laughing at where the Steelers are at. You know what? It was the first time I've watched a Bengals-Steelers game without Steelers fans present. And I don't know if that says something about where we were. It's just not something Steelers fans are going to go or Pittsburgh fans aren't that excited about their team. So so there was that. Normally, there's intermingling and friendly. I, I, I don't really believe in you know screaming at people because they root for the other team. Um what was interesting about it was the ease with which the Bengals won the game. And so by the time four o'clock came, it was sort of anticlimactic, right? I mean, it was mm -hmm. the Bengals were the better team. They led the entire way for the most part. Uh, the game really didn't feel that much in doubt. Even when Pittsburgh had the ball with two minutes left down by 14 points, I think most of us felt pretty good. Like they were about to salt this game away. So in a way it felt the way I hope it starts to feel moving forward, which is, Yep, the better team won. The Bengals beat the Steelers. They're supposed to. Uh, they were better on both sides of the ball. And it didn't require any sort of last-minute heroics or comeback. And those things are all great. But it was to me, it was just it, – it, it was striking that once the game ended – in fact, the uh, – the Baltimore Detroit game was just ending with that finish with the the fourth and 19 conversion, the 65 yard kick, the delay of game that was missed. And, and almost instantly, everybody's attention shifted to something that was dramatic. Uh, and, and obviously, there's an AFC North connection there and almost away from the fact that the Bengals just went to Heinz Field and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and beat them pretty thoroughly. So I think the, the ease with which they did it uh, sort of undercut the. There's just instant excitement and jubilation when they beat the Steelers on Monday Night Football last year as, as bad as that team was. I mean, it, it was cool just sort of walking at a Paul Brown Stadium and watching people. People celebrated that game like it was a playoff win and it was win number three uh, where I was on Sunday. People were happy and during the game, really excited. But by the time it ended, it was like, yeah, this is this is how today's game was supposed to unfold. And it did. And now on to whatever's happening in Detroit, and I guess more specifically what happens on, on Thursday. Uh, just to jump into the second part of your tweet, I mean, we we talked a lot about before the season about what the expectations should be of this defense and just being like, I don't know, is this defense going to be the reason we talk about them losing a lot? And now, 
how much does it change? I mean, it it just changes the dynamic of your expectations for the team when, you know, I thought after the preseason in camp, the ceiling of where this defense could be had changed. And I thought, well, maybe they could be 10, 11, 12. And now here we are. We're talking about a team in that in some significant rankings, you know, metrics is like a top five group. Now it's early and that they haven't really played an explosive offense yet, but I mean, that's that's as much reason to believe as as anything. Yeah, you know, you could you could say, well, Chicago's offense is not very good, and what what they were doing against Cleveland is remarkable. Um, and you know, Pittsburgh's got an old quarterback, and they don't have the weaponry that you're maybe used to, and 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 all that. But it, it go back to the preseason. I think a lot of us thought the floor was low, the ceiling wasn't that high, and now I think you feel like the floor is higher and the ceiling is higher, and and they've gotten contributions from all over the place, right? I mean, it's just it feels like on the defensive line, it's it's not just one guy wreaking havoc, but play to play, there's somebody who's doing something big. It's Reader, it's Ogan Joby, it's it's Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard. I know you were excited about him on on Sunday, day. Paul. Yeah, great I day. just you know I, I, <laughs> you talk about wanting to be around somebody when something happened. When Sam Hubbard gets a sack, uh, you know uh, Logan Wilson. I mean, I've been waiting for a linebacker who can make plays since you know the Vontez Burfix prime, and Logan Wilson looks like he could be that guy, and he certainly was. Fourteen tackles. And two interceptions, they they get by again without Trey Waynes, who I think might be Harvey the Rabbit or Mantel Teo's girl. I, don't, I mean, I, I said to my friends on Sunday, I'm like, if if Thursday night a guy just showed up in a Trey Waynes uniform, would, would anybody really know the difference? Because, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, even with Eli Apple chasing Steelers wide receivers like my dog chases his blue ball, uh, the, the defense... Uh, held up pretty well and it's it might, maybe not the most fearsome unit but you know you were talking about they haven't played explosive offenses how many of them do they really have i know aaron Rodgers is going to come to town but jacksonville does not have what you would call an explosive offense detroit certainly doesn't they have the jets on the schedule and as good as baltimore and cleveland may be i don't know that you would really attach the word explosive to their offenses as a whole they certainly have some individual players who are capable um you know lamar jackson is lamar jackson but I think suddenly you look at the schedule and you look at the way they're playing on defense and you look at their relative health. And I think you have to feel pretty good about where that direction is going. And I think you really have to feel pretty good about the guy pulling the strings on defense, because if, if anybody's had a good last three weeks, it, it seems like it's Lou Anarumo. I mean, he's had a good last really going, going back to since March, right? Since yeah. he got a bunch of yeah. people to, to pay for, for talent to show up on his group because, and in the fact that he's doing something with it, look, I mean, his feet were to the fire immediately. If he he would have been an easy fall guy, scapegoat five weeks in. If this defense had been been poor, uh, and and they could have inserted Mark Duffner and and rearranged some pieces and said, ah, you know, we should have moved on last year. The fact that he's done what he does not only has saved his job, I think it's it's saved the direction of this team and some of the hope that they have. Uh, I'll, I'll real quick to get you out of here. We do have to have you um, address. Uh, FC Cincinnati's coaching situation makes our local <laughs> government seem stable. A tweet said yesterday uh, at 10 in the morning. In the morning, you know, 10.03. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Monday morning. Let's go. Monday morning. I feel like I should just just poke all bears. Boom. I like, yeah. I appreciate, I, I appreciate a good two-pronged attack like that one was. Well, I I love making fun of local government. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I when, when UC changed basketball coaches, I, I tweeted something to the effect of UC has had three basketball coaching changes since 1989 
we've had four Cincinnati council indictments uh, since last May or whatever. So <laughs> I, I love poking away. It's and, and the reason I do is there are some city council people who follow me and I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't really know why anybody would follow me much less than, but I, I love just sort of mocking the just ongoing dysfunction of local government. But then you add to it, this FC Cincinnati dynamic. Um, am, am I wrong? No, John, John Harks, Alan Koch, Ron Yons, Yop Stom, and then in between, Yohan Demay was the interim coach twice, and he got whacked yesterday as well. Uh, it, it's just been this cycle, and, and at some point, you're like, well, God, maybe maybe what should have happened here is when the team jumped to Major League Soccer, a former city council person shouldn't have been the guy picking the players, but that's where we were. And so you sort of tie in both. Jeff Birding, has, he was on city council. He's now running FC Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not saying he was a bad city council person. He certainly has had his successes running the soccer, the the, the franchise and getting the stadium done and, you know, all the excitement over uh, FC Cincinnati. But as a sports entity, they've been terrible, non-competitive. They've won one home game. I don't blame them for firing the coach, but it just seems like as much as people mock, well, the Bengals have been too stable and the Reds have been too stable on the opposite end of that is FC Cincinnati which has just been this just, you know, portrait of just chaos and instability. And at some point you go, it's not the coaches and and it's, it's not these people from other parts of the world that you're bringing in, which by the way, they said about Yob Stamble. Now he can go home. Like it sounded like he was banging on Jeff Burding's door. And can I, can I, can I go back to Europe? Uh, it just, it, it's, I don't know that what they did is wrong. And I'm not saying that what they do next isn't going to work, but following that team is, it, I mean, I, I need a cigarette when I'm done. It just, it's, it's so, uh, it, it just, it hurts. I can't I mean, follow at this it. point. I didn't think that anybody could so quickly plummet to, you know, em- local embarrassing laughing stock when you were in a, per- in a city with the lack of success that you've had from the two other professional sports teams, but they've managed to do it. The bar wasn't very high, right? All they had to do no. was kind of be okay. I didn't know it could go lower. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, three years ago, there was this massive party because they're going to Major League Soccer, and it felt like they really sort of owned a chunk of the town, and now they're an afterthought. And it doesn't help their case that the Reds have at least been competitive this year and fun to watch, except for the last month. And the Bengals have Joe Burrow, and UC football's in the top 10. I mean, those those things weren't around, didn't exist in 2016, 2017, and 2018. But, But the way that that team has plummeted and the consciousness of people here, I, I know people still want to go see the stadium and the stadium is phenomenal and going to FC Cincinnati games is still a lot of fun, but as a sports entity, they're almost non-existent. And, and again, that's, that's not because of the cycling through coaches, but that's become what they're known for as a, as a sports franchise, that's become what they've, what they're known for. It was fans and atmosphere and all these people going to soccer games. And now the conversation has shifted to great. They're going to hire a new HUD coach. And then, is he going to make it a year? When's he going to get let go? And and that's that's not a good place to be. And it's really not a good place to be when you have when you're when you're just starting out, which is, you know, they are. Well, I'm sure you immediately heard from from Jeff Birding after that tweet. I'm sure it really it, it, it cut out him deep. I'm just going to just be transparent here. Jeff Birding at an event uh, in May gave me a dead fish handshake. <laughs> a look away. The look away dead fish. Handshake. Oh, the look away dead I, fish. I was, I was at this event. These former Bengals players were honoring Sam Weish, and I was asked to co MC it. I'm not sure why, because they had Dan Horde and Dave Lapham. Well, wait. <laughs> Let's add Mo to that mix. And I'm walking, and there's Jeff Birding, and I and I had just gone to a game. I wanted to talk about the stadium, and he gives me the look away 
dead fish handshake. Now, when Don Garber, the major league soccer commissioner comes to town, does he get a look away dead fish handshake? So since then, it's not that I root against MC Cincinnati. I, I, I do root for them. I want them to win. I've gone to games. I have a good time. I want them to do well. I want fans here to be happy. But there's a part of me that goes, you know what? That guy's never going to succeed with the, I mean, the dead fish look away handshake. If you're going to give me the dead fish handshake, <laughs> look me in the eye and at least tell me to go F myself. Yeah. Right. No, you just you don't even have the stones to look me straight in the face as you're giving me the dead fish. So part of me feels like there's a leadership gap. No good leader is offering dead fish look away handshakes. No. And and maybe that's what's maybe that's how he said goodbye to Yop Stom. Maybe it was just a look away <laughs> dead fish, go back to Europe, and then that was it. That was how he got exited. That's probably what happened. Mo, I appreciate you sharing your tweets. Please uh don't be careful. Maybe next week we'll do uh Mo's tweet drafts of ones that you didn't send. <laughs> sure, maybe, maybe, we can, that, that'll we be can. next week. Thank you, brother. All right. See ya. See you guys. Well, that was fun. <laughs> Mo fired up on a Tuesday morning. Absolutely. You know, you you, you never know where these things are going to go. And that's that's the that's the beauty of it, Jay. You just you're never going to we're, we're going to end up down a Jeff Birding dead fish handshake wormhole. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, Mo's getting nothing but daps from me. I don't ever want to be accused <laughs> of a wet a dead Look fish. Although that is, yes, that is something I have drilled into my son is you you it's firm. And you look him in the eye when you shake their hand. And I guess Jeff Birding's dad never taught him that. What's going to happen with this? Is, are we ever going to shake hands really again? <laughs> well, true. Post-pandemic, is it all just going to be complicated handshakes and daps and rocks? Head, head nods. Yeah, head nods. I, you know, I, I, think, I think we've all drawn much more comfortable with the rock at this mm-hmm. point. You know, I, and I feel like it's a real solid. It kind of says, and I, I had thought about this before, and I'd heard this a long time ago. People who really understand, you know, public health people, are like, why, why are we shaking hands with everybody anyway? Like, that's really not. We really never should have been doing that. I understand it goes way back, and that's great. Like, I feel like this is a really great opportunity for us to stop the the cultural norms, and we should all just be moving to some form of rocks anyway. So I'm, I think this is a good thing. But still, look them in the eye when you rock them, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Don't, don't look aside the, on the rock. I think the origin of the handshake is to prove that you didn't have a weapon in your hand. Do yes. we really need that anymore? Uh, I hope not. We might, actually. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that is a conversation for another podcast. It's another day. We're here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, who are the Jags, you may ask? They're so jaggy this year. Um, but they have Urban Meyer, of course, and they have Trevor Lawrence. So... That's what they are building around. That's what they feel like they are. They are also a mess. They've lost three games by double digits. And, you know, they're, they're not getting killed like you would think. So, I mean, they were, they were up in the third quarter uh, against Arizona and then just fell apart. Trevor Lawrence has been what a lot of rookie quarterbacks are. Some moments of big flashes and some moments of what the hell is that? He's been throwing a bunch of picks. Uh, he's also had some really, I mean, you can, you see where it is. I mean, you know what Trevor Lawrence is. You know what he was in college. You know his rare physical traits, all that stuff. He's just making the rookie mistakes that rookie mistakes make. And he had one that was an absolute killer on a pick six to Byron Murphy of, on a botched flea flicker. Uh, that he still tried to throw off to the side and pick sixes and it changes the whole game, and that was it. Um, their defense is not great. They just traded away C.J. Henderson, a former first-round pick, who was unhappy and added Dan Arnold 
not the wonder years, but of uh, uh, of the Carolina Panthers tight end. He's going to play Thursday. They've had general some some of that unhappiness of guys demanding to be traded has still been kind of lingering in through them with with Urban trying to, I think set his own culture. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of mess happening happening there with with the Jags. The the one thing that Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked like a rookie is he's not taking sacks. I think Urban's kind of drilled it into his head to because his his completion percentage is really low, and I think he's he's kind of already grasped that idea of throw the ball away, get move on to the next play. That's the the Jaguars are Jaguars have only given up five sacks all year. That's that's rare for a rookie quarterback. So it's something that we've seen a strength of the Bengals. It's going to be interesting to see if they can get to him or if if Trevor Lawrence is going to continue in that vein of just throwing balls away and maybe making some ill-advised throws like the the flea flicker for the pick six. Um, I I I wonder that the big thing that is curious to me about this game is as bad as the Jags offense has been, That's it's a serious deal that the Bengals' defense played 83 snaps on Sunday, and, and then they're coming back for a quick turnaround. I, I think the Jaguars can exploit that a little bit. I, I expect this to to be a little high, higher scoring game because of that. I heard on uh, Bengals' line last night. I was out for a drive, and Lap was interviewing Lou Anarumo. He said, "As big of a win as you thought as that was, plane ride home was really quiet. There were a lot of defensive guys snoring." I mean, they they work their butts off in that game. Those long drives that that saps you, and that's that's something to kind of keep an eye on Thursday night is is how fresh that defense can be. They do a good job of running guys in and 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 rotating, but again, you've got some injuries on that side of the ball that that could limit that a little bit, especially in the secondary. So, I, I do think we're going to see not a coming out party for Trevor Lawrence, but I think this I think that Jaguars offense is going to do better than people think. The one thing they've been good at thus far is running the ball, and James Robinson has kind of given them a little bit of spark, and they use Trevor Lawrence in the run game, as you might expect, knowing knowing who he was at Clemson, too. So, you know, it's kind of a thing where you, you think the Bengals through three weeks have been really good against the run, but how much energy will they have uh, to go up there and try? To, if you take that away from the Jags, you just assume that you're going to – you hope to be in a spot where Trevor's going to start throwing you the ball a little bit. Um and and take advantage of that and get the turnovers that they have been able to get so far. But I think that's the Jaguars' hope is they can come in here and, and continue to have that that good run game be be a part of what gets them by and then maybe take advantage of the Bengals' beat-up secondary. You know, if Jesse Bates doesn't play and Cheeto Bay doesn't play and Eli Apple's still out there, even if Trey Waynes comes back in his first game in, in two and a half years or whatever, you know, you're talking about a lot of – uh, questions uh, and that maybe you could take advantage with. Look, a guy Bengals fans are familiar with, Marvin Jones. Uh, they have LaVisca Chenault, who's, who's really scary, DJ Chark, um, who caught a touchdown pass on a great ball from Lawrence against Arizona. And you know Marvin Jones has been really good with them. They've had a nice combination going. I mean, they, they can get it cooking, and they have gotten it cooking. It's just a matter of not making those bad mistakes that kill teams. Um, is is how the Jags can avoid that, if, and so you know they're they're an interesting team in in that regard where they have been close. It's just seen, and done a lot of things that you like and a lot of things that make you think they can go win games, but there just has been a lot of those mistakes that have really doomed them, and that's why they've lost three games by double digits. Uh, one little stat, I, you know, I, I point out this: it's just short week traveling on the road, and a short week is tough. Uh, I went ahead and looked it up. Teams playing on, at home on their Thursday night games the last five years win 59% of the time. 
Now on a Sunday, it's fifty-five percent. So you know, you're we're not talking about massive percentage points, but a thing. You know, four percent. Ask gamblers if four four percent is a thing. <laughs> You're playing those percentages, baby. Um, I do think it matters in that regard, and you can maybe see that happen a little bit piece of, especially with the Bengals having some positive momentum coming out of the game, the win against Pittsburgh. Um, Bengals growler bet time. We have, first of all, we had a winner from last week. Congratulations to Alex. I don't have your last name on Twitter. Um, Alex, your avatar makes you look pretty young. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to need to see an ID. I I know I can't be giving beer out to minors. I think that could hurt our podcast. It's ratings and it's a viability as a show that we can continue to go forward with. And maybe my job status. Uh, so, but I, I, if we see a quality solid ID that I can believe in, that's not fake. Um, then, then you're, then some 50 West beer will be yours. Otherwise I'm sure we could find some sort of compromise that we could do. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I thought there was a chance someone would hit it. I knew we wouldn't have the entire spectrum covered, but it was it, it wasn't an easy one, but it was it it was there for the taking. And congratulations to Alex because most people weren't even in the same realm as he most people were down in the both of us were both sub 250. Um Ben ended up with 318 and uh, impressive win to hit that one on the nose. Yeah, I don't think any of us would have thought that Ben was going to throw it 58 times. And uh, and so, you know, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, that was an impressive hit because there was hardly anybody that had anything over 300. But the fact that got that good for him. Uh, so that obviously means this is going to be ungettable. I hope I don't I'm, I'm not in the mood to make it easy. Uh, and that means this week's Bengals Growler Bet, which you can hit us up. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. Um. Or send an email to me, pdaner at theathletic.com. Make sure Growler is in the subject header. It's the way I'll find you. Um, Bengals Growler about this week. I need two numbers from you. Joe Burrow yards per attempt. Trevor Lawrence yards per attempt. That's one decimal. Go to one decimal. So 7.8, 5.2, 3.1, whatever it is. I need both of those numbers to be on the nose. That's it. I need two numbers this week. None of this easy one passing number stuff. <laughs> All right. Yards per attempt for Burrow and for Lawrence from Thursday night's game. Make sure you get that in before kickoff. All right, Jay, what do you got? Well, I'm going to stick with my palindrome theme, even though it's not working for me. You're three and one. You have a three and one lead in these growler bets, but I'm going to go Joe Burrow 7.5. Trevor Lawrence, 5.7. Okay, I'm going to go 8.6 and (laughs) 6.8. Burrow, 8.6. Trevor Lawrence, 6.8. And we'll see how that plays out. See if I can continue my streak up 3-1. to It feels good. Feels good. It feels good to win. I had a a huge lead last year, and you you made a solid comeback in the second half. It can be done. Don't get too comfortable. Uh, point out, we had a fun run passer boot from last week. Uh, that was how many eight plus yard runs for Joe Mixon, how many personal fouls in the game, and how many Steelers sacks. And it felt like any of those you could make a great argument for. Here's how that turned out in case you had a bet on it. Uh, Joe Mixon had four runs of eight plus. There were two personal fouls in the game, and the Steelers got zero sacks. Jay, you were closer on that one. 
because uh, you, you had more belief in the mix and long runs happening than than I did. Yeah, even with the Steelers having all those pass rushers out, I I thought they they were still gonna be wary to drop Joe back a lot and run mixing a lot. And it just felt like it's just all year. Even that Chicago game late in that game, it felt like he was ready to bust one and he never did. I, I thought he was going to get on track and I don't know if I would have predicted 27 for one of those runs, but I thought, I thought he would get a, a, a handful of double digit ones and he did. He had three double digits, the one for nine. So I hit something, I guess maybe we should start keeping track of run passer boots. It's hard to judge sometimes, though, and so, yeah. so I, 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 to me, it's more of a good discussion and for a a bet that people can make for themselves going into a game. I, and I'm and I'm happy to. If you want to start keeping track, I'm happy to see if I can rack up some wins there too. No problem for me on that. No, I'll pass. All right, let's go. Uh, this week's run passer boot high. What will be higher? Jags rushing yards. We just talked about how they've had some success rushing the ball. Jamar Chase receiving yards or combined. Pass attempts in the game. Of course, Burrow has been of all the starting quarterbacks. No one's thrown fewer um, than than Burrow through three games. They've been so run heavy. But we just talked about maybe that will change. Maybe that will change. Maybe Trevor Lawrence will have to throw it a bunch. A lot to go on there. What do you got, Jay? Um, I I probably shouldn't bet against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase at this point, but I'm I'm going to run with Jaguars rushing yards just for the reasons I mentioned before that this Bengals defense is going to be a little fatigued, a little worn down. It is the Jaguars' strength. Uh, they ran for 159 last week, um, so I, I'll run with that one. I will uh, I'll pass on Chase receiving yards and I'll boot the combined pass attempts, even though that one's a little more steady. You can usually count on that being in the 70 to 80 range. Um, I, I do think both teams are going to be kind of run heavy minded in this Thursday night game. And it, it, we've seen Joe throw a lot fewer passes. Trevor Lawrence might get up in the, in the, in the Ben Roethlisberger range if things go south for them in the run game. But I don't think the Bengal, we're going to see Joe Burrow throw it a ton. So I'll boot that one. All right. Uh, I'm totally different. I am running with Jamar Chase. I am passing on the passes and I'm booting the Jags run game. Yeah. I think we see another big one from Chase, and I think his uh, coming out party continues this time in front of a live national audience. Um, it just it just feels like that's the way he's going right now, and the way they've got things going. So uh, that's my thoughts on that prediction. Time. What do we got? Um, I the Bengals haven't been seven and a half point favorites for a long time. I don't think they cover, but I do think they win. I'm going Bengals twenty seven, Jags twenty one. Okay. Uh, I will say, you know, the Jags have had these three straight double-digit losses. They're going on the road in a short week. Uh, I, I think the Bengals take advantage. I think Bengals 28, Jags 17, continue the Jags streak. I think a couple of interceptions. Maybe another one for Logan Wilson uh, makes makes a big difference in this one. All right, that'll wrap us up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with the – the walkout or the game, the post game uh, podcast for you after the, the late game on Thursday. So I hope everybody enjoys that uh, and enjoys maybe having a weekend that they'll feel a little more fancy free, not having a Bengals game will hang over them on Sunday. I know I will. I plan on thoroughly enjoying this this weekend. It's always it's the best part about the Thursday game. You, you, everything gets shoved into these couple of days and you're going nuts for a few days and then all of a sudden. There's that free weekend just sitting right on you. It's just, it's delightful.
It's delightful. It, so it's everybody aeration enjoy. Saturday at the Morrison household. What is it? Aeration Saturday at the Morrison. Wow. House. I'm renting like, an aerator. How fun is that? Not fun. <laughs> is it fun? Is aerating fun? Uh, getting compliments on a nice yard is fun, but uh, yes, aerating itself is not fun. No. Should I be aerating Jay? Not, you have to make that decision yourself. You, you have right. a sloped backyard. I would not recommend it. I have a very sloped backyard. <laughs> Does not sound like something I'm going to do. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Enjoy the game on Thursday. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you afterwards. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.